My name is James Lee Hernandez. Uh, I rarely ever say the Lee when I introduce myself. <laughs> and I'm one of the directors, executive producers, writers, editors of McMillions. I'm Brian Lazarte, also one of the directors, executive producers, writers, and editor of McMillions. I see this note on the desk, McDonald's, Monopoly, fraud, and I go, give me that damn thing. Because I'm bored to death with this healthcare garbage, right? It's important, but I was ready to move on. It seemed like this meeting just took forever. I might have been hungry twice in that meeting. <laughs> this was Doug's opportunity to be an undercover agent. I showed up with a gold suit on. This is like a golden fry suit. He looks like he's a manager of a McDonald's. But I had a white shirt on, so I thought I was safe. <laughs> I wasn't. Man, undercover is awesome. That is the trailer for the Emmy-nominated HBO documentary, McMillions, and this is Factual America. We're brought to you by Alamo Pictures, a production company that makes documentaries about America for international audiences. Today we're talking about the McDonald's Monopoly promotional game fraud of the 1990s and the doc that chronicles it. Uh, joining us are the directors and executive producers, and they wear many hats on this film, uh, James Hernandez and Brian Lazarte. Um, James and Brian, welcome to Factual America. James, how are things with you? Uh, pretty good. About as uh, as good as they can be in this day and age. A lot of at home. Um, yeah. you know, luckily, been kept sane by my girlfriend and uh, and our dog. It's really helpful. Uh, one of our guests is called. Uh, when I asked that, said he's COVID good. So I, it's an expression <laughs> I've started using more often now. Which is a uh, sort of like a, a lukewarm regular time. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And Brian, how about you? Uh, yeah, doing great. Uh, all things considered, uh, you know, 2020 has been a, a wild year for us. And, uh, you know, it keeps getting wilder, you know, even even as we're finishing out December. Uh, good. Kids are good. Yeah. Um, taking advantage of extra family time and uh, extra sleep wherever possible. Okay. Uh, extra, extra family time is important, as I've discovered and probably should have always known. Uh, just to remind our listeners, uh, the film, you've seen or heard the trailer. It's McMillions. came out in February on HBO. It's, uh, we're based here in the UK. It came out on Sky Documentaries in May. Uh, nominated for five primetime Emmys. Uh, the Guardian here in the UK calls it a rip-roaring romp around the McDonald's Monopoly scandal, which I would heartily uh, agree with. And so thanks again for coming onto the podcast. And as you've already alluded to in this most ridiculous and challenging of years, this has been one hell of a ride for you this year, hasn't it? Yeah, it's, it's quite the uh, extreme ups and downs, uh, I'd have yeah. to say, of my entire life. Uh, we were very lucky in the sense that um, the world didn't shut down until literally the weekend after the last episode aired. Um, so we still got to do the normal press run. Uh, we had yeah. to premiere at Sundance and, um, you know, week to week, uh, HBO released it in America. So by the time it was finished that next weekend, it was, everybody was shut in. So, uh, we're, we're very happy that, uh, people were, we, we had a lot, basically people held hostage to watch the show. <laughs> exactly. Um, well, I mean, it's a, it's a six part, for those who are listeners who don't know, may, maybe, uh, maybe been living under a rock, I don't know. Uh, it's a six part series. Um, and maybe Brian, why don't you uh, give us a little synopsis of what, what this uh, McMillions is about? Sure. Well, you know, especially for, for us who grew up here in the States, McDonald's did this Monopoly campaign back in the late 80s and all throughout the 90s where uh, if you, you know, played the game Monopoly, you kind of knew how the game was played. You could go and get a large French fry, a Big Mac, and you get a, a, a peel-off sticker that you would then, you know, build onto your board and, you know, with the right number of stickers and, and game pieces of Monopoly, you could win various prizes. You could win a, a jet ski, a Sea-Doo, you could win a bicycle, a new TV, and obviously the prizes kept going up to uh, a house, a car, or a boat, 
and the ultimate grand prize was the million dollar grand prize. And everyone wanted this, you know, who, who didn't want to go to McDonald's and get a Big Mac and win a million dollars. And so there was this tremendous marketing campaign that McDonald's put out year after year. And they did this, you know, sometimes multiple times a year, multiple campaigns. And then we would see, you know, these winners come forward, you know, who won the grand prize and what they were gonna do with their money. And this went on for well over a decade. And uh, it turns out that, you know, from 1989 to, to 2001, almost every single winner who came forward for any high value prize turned out to be part of this criminal ring to defraud the game. And the FBI subsequently, you know, helped round up all of these criminals in this massive, you know, undercover operation and over 53 people were in, indicted across 23 states. And um, most people don't know about the story or at least didn't prior to us making this series. So uh, it's, it's a wild one. Yeah, that's, I mean, I actually want to talk more about that in just a, in a little bit about how it, this thing just sort of flew under the radar screens for, for most of us. Uh, you may or may not know, but you know, they still run it here in the UK. The, so uh, I actually won a, a year's uh, streaming for one of the local streaming services on, a, on the McDonald's uh, McNo uh, Monopoly game here a couple of years ago. So, uh, and, and, and Interesting. I, I, yeah. We actually saw your name pop up in some of the federal records. So I, I was wondering I about that. Yeah, no, <laughs> uh, that, that one phone number besides uh, Uncle Jerry's that kept coming up. <laughs> There's a reason I haven't been back and uh, haven't lived in the U.S. for, for a while now. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but I mean, James, uh, you've, Brian's already alluded to this, but uh, uh, I do know, having listened to some other stuff you've done, uh, you have a McDonald's background, if you will. And uh, I mean, how big this, uh, this, I mean, this, this thing was everywhere, wasn't it? I mean, it was just, you've got some great archival, obviously, of, of just, you know, of this game. And it, it just, I think it was quite amazing even how it would like drive sales. Oh, yeah, I, and specifically in, in America, it did, uh, as you you have proven because you've won, it, it eventually went to other places around the world. But um, growing up as a kid in the 90s, this thing was massive. And every single year, they would run it once a year, then it got to the point where they'd run it twice a year. Because every single time that they would run this game, McDonald's, um, their sales would go up 30 to 40%. I mean, that's a massive amount. It was such a popular game. And I was one of the people that was just every single time it ran trying to win it. Yeah. Um, and then it got to the point where when I turned 16, my first job was at McDonald's during the heyday of this game. Um, and it was, it was one of those things where like, you would trade pieces with friends. You, you were like, if you went on a road trip somewhere, you would stop at McDonald's and random places that you would never go because you, you know, you would think, oh, well, that's the reason I can't get that one piece I need because I just keep going to the same <laughs> McDonald's over and over right. again. Right. Yeah. Um, so it was, it was this massive, massive thing. And, you know, that's why when I first heard about the story, it really called to me because I was one of the people that was trying to win this thing. And I was just blown away that I had never heard about this, uh, that I didn't know that there was some huge fraud ring that was taken down, which at the time when I found out about it, it had, it had been, uh, you know, what, like 15 years, something like that. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, and I, I don't, we won't go too much detail because I think it's even for those who haven't seen it and, uh, it, it is, I don't want to have spoiler alerts, even though this has been, a, a, you know, out for a while, <laughs> because I think uh, it is well worth having those little, uh, little surprises while you're going through it and watching it. It's a, it's a great, great deal of fun, I will say. Um, but, I mean, it, everyone was completely unaware this was going on. This could have gone on forever. I mean, it seems like. Um, 24 million in fraud, I think. Uh, as you said, I think all but a few of the top winners were in, implicated in this. Um, do we know who provided the tip? Um, because it's just, is it, it's, it's an interesting story. It's just down to one, one person calling, calling this office in Jacksonville, uh, of the FBI, isn't it? Well, ha have you seen the last episode yet? Uh, I've, uh, 
You no, know, I haven't. I have to admit, you see, I've, okay. I've, I'm making my way through. So uh, you've caught me. <laughs> well, you're just going to okay. have to keep watching. So I'll have to keep watching. Okay, this, then we'll leave it at that. Um, but then why, I mean, uh, well, then maybe that's, uh, that's interesting. You know, that's, that's part of this as well. I mean, it ends up being this sleepy FBI office in Jacksonville. Or I, I'm not trying to offend anyone here, but I think you even <laughs> say it yourself in episode one that uh, it was kind of the place for retired agents to go uh, to, to finish their careers. Um, is, is that right? Yeah, I mean, Jacksonville FBI, you know, really covers such a large, middle, it's like covers the middle district of, of Florida. And for those who never been to Florida, it's a massive, massive state. Mm. And who, and for those who don't read news stories about Florida, weird stuff happens in Florida all the time. Uh, and so it seems appropriate, you know, that the FBI gets a lot of weird inquiries. But yeah, I mean, some of the agents who uh, were there, I mean, like most people, when you get, Florida's got great climate, great weather. So who knows exactly the reasons we can, you know, mm. uh, hypothesize why a lot of those agents stayed there. And this was kind of considered the, the sleepy yeah. agency, but they were, they were the smaller team. And, uh, and in a lot of ways, a little bit of the, you know, the underdog in this story. And they, they kind of approach things in a more traditional, you know, very by the book, um, old school method. And so the, the story is interesting on, on a lot of fronts because of what happened with this one particular rookie agent who was just hungry for something new. And he came in and was like, you know, what can I do? How can I get undercover? And was always trying to find things. But, you know, the FBI at that time was really focused on, on healthcare fraud. That, that was like a big issue. And, and, um, and when this story came through or this one tip sort of, you know, presented itself um, through, through this, you know, FBI has like hotlines, people call in and, and they, they say like, hey, I see a suspicious package, you know, go check it out. And, um, and they get these complaint calls and this came, came through through that supposedly. And this one agent, you know, caught wind of it through his superior and was like, you know, just on a mission, like this sounds way more interesting than the healthcare fraud stuff that I've been doing. And, um, and just starts putting the pieces together. And is like, hey, there's, there's, there's real substance to this, like, um, and they didn't know how far back it went. I mean, this was 2001, when they caught wind of it. So they, they just thought like, okay, they, they hear the McDonald's Monopoly game is rigged. And this mysterious character by the name of Uncle Jerry, you know, is behind it. And that's it. And they just start their investigation. And we, you know, we really loved learning the procedural aspects of what they went yeah. through creatively. And then this incredible undercover operation that subsequently came about, you know, through, through the creative discussions of how to crack this case. Yeah. I mean, I think that's a, a good point. I mean, it's obviously the film is, you know, on the, on the, as they say here, I've written on, on the tin is advertised. It's about the McDonald's, um, monopoly uh, fraud and scandal but i mean just in episode one you learn so much about how the fbi operates and and investigates these sort of things which i found found very interesting the other thing i found interesting is you you guys hit a gold mine with with this group of investigators didn't you because you've got i think you're alluding to doug matthews who uh i mean i would describe as an I was surprised to find out he was an accountant by background. He's an accountant with ADHD, I think. Uh, you've got his boss, Chris Graham. I mean, uh, did you know you were going to, you know, this must have been a, a gold mine when you uh, walked in and started interviewing these guys. Is that right, James? Yeah, it definitely, we, sometimes it's better to be lucky than good. Like if we could have cast some characters to be FBI agents, this is how we would have written it. Um, but this is real life and that's who they really are. Uh, but the the first interactions with with all this whole team, um, it was it was uh, it was just a shock because you're used to thinking of FBI agents as just robots with suits on. Um, and then you know, the first conversation that I ever had was with Mark Deverell, the federal prosecutor. Like, wow, this guy has a good personality. And then meeting Doug and talking to him and like, who is this guy? Like, I need to get on a plane and meet him immediately. 
um, all the way up to Chris Graham and Tom Kinnear and you know, Janet Pellicciotti and um, uh, like all of these guys, all, this entire team started to learn like, okay, well, the FBI, they're not robots. They're actually just individuals that, are, that have great training, smart people that come together and actually have to investigate. I mean, the FBI has investigation <laughs> in its name, but you think um, that the FBI is just so powerful that they make two phone calls and they know everything. Mm. And it, it, it was really fascinating for Brian and I to, we wanted to show what it actually is like. Like it's so different in TV shows and movies and how all this works of like, they get this really small kernel of information. And how do you expand that out to a, a huge investigation where they end up arresting 53 people? I mean, to, to go through the steps of, of all of that was just so great for us. And then they were very open and honest about how it works, about the level of teamwork that they have to use and creativity. And if you think about it, you know, they had to investigate something on two different fronts. They had a proactive investigation with the crime actively happening. But then they had to go back in time and try to figure out, okay, well, how long has this been going on for? That's just a monumental thing to think about with this happening what, for 12 or 13 years. It's, it, it's just staggering, especially for a small office where Jacksonville, uh, they had a small fraction of agents compared to somewhere like Atlanta or Miami or Chicago. Uh, and it ends up that this entire office really has to focus their their the workforce on figuring this out and um james you were already in both of you uh, mentioned this already but uh, you know how this all flew under the radar screen for so long i mean how did this project come about how did you get the idea for for doing this yeah well, james, I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll, yeah I'll take course, this yeah. uh so we, um it started in uh, 2012 i was uh, sometimes before I go to sleep at night, I'll just uh, lay in bed and, and look at Reddit um, and just laugh at funny cat videos or like, read interesting <laughs> stories. And there was a, a TIL. Today I learned nobody really won the McDonald's Monopoly game. And, you know, like most most people, I, I loved that game like I talked about earlier. And when I looked into it, um, it just linked to a local Jacksonville newspaper blurb from 2001 saying eight people had been arrested and, and uh, you know, I, it, it, it like lit me on fire basically. And so I just started doing all this research and really couldn't find that much. And it got to a point where it was just the same info regurgitated over and over again via different uh, media outlets. And so I just kept looking into it over the years, uh, over the next year and uh, or so, and then put a freedom of information request in with the U.S. government. Um, I was like, I, I want to know what it's all about. Yeah. And it took a, a little over three years for that to go through. And once it did, I was able to find out the names of the FBI agents and federal prosecutor that was part of it, uh, and then reached out to them. Um, and then once I reached out to them, I said, yeah, this is our favorite case. Nobody's ever hit us up about this before. We'd love to work with you. And at that point, I'd known Brian for a really long time, and he is a phenomenal background in documentary filmmaking. And I, I called him and I said, "Let's grab some lunch. I think I have something really big here." Mm. And and Brian, what did you do when uh, James called? Then you met met for lunch. What did you think? Uh, well, if if we had met at a McDonald's, uh, it would have been a better uh, <laughs> and do a scratch card or something. Yeah, the... yeah, to the story. No, I mean, of course, just like on the surface, when you when when you pull back the curtain on a, on a story uh, or on a part of your life that you remember seeing it one way for a long time, you're like, wait, I never had a chance to ever win that game. Uh, and you learn about it after the fact, you, you start to wonder, like, what else has been hidden from me in life? <laughs> and, uh, and, and of course, like, you know, it, there's a great deal of intrigue here like okay so the fbi are part of this you know investigation they went undercover um they pretended to be a film crew to shoot a commercial for mcdonald's to basically you know get people telling their stories uh for how they won the game um as a means to investigate this crime like 
like, of course, like on the surface, that sounds fantastic. But then you got to wonder like, okay, well, how, how good are the characters who can tell the story? And how big of a story is this? I mean, obviously a lot of people were indicted as a result. Would they be willing to go on camera? Would they be willing to share their story? Um, is there, uh, you know, a lot of different veins, twists and turns that, that, that the story has uh, that are, are worth venturing down? And of course, like, the moment we stepped into it in a meaningful way and started filming some stuff with the guys and, and, and started asking more and more questions, it was like, you know, it was the, you know, shock, like, like, light, like, like, Hey, hang on a second. Are you like, there was all those double take moments that we had, you know, investigating this, you know, at that early phase that we realized like this story has the legs to go well beyond just a feature documentary. And, and could go multiple episodes into a series. And this would be such a tremendous vehicle to do that. And, you know, that's actually, you know, James and I were digging into this on our own for a while. And then we ultimately met up with um, Unrealistic Ideas, which is Mark Wahlberg, um, Archie Gibbs, Steve Levinson's, you know, uh, unscripted company. And, uh, and we partnered with them and we, we brought it to HBO and HBO got excited about it. And, um, subsequently that's how you ended up, uh, with you guys with Sky, but this is, um, it, it's been a pretty incredible road to see, you know, we thought it was amazing. Other people thought it was amazing. And then, you know, we were able to get the support and funding to actually make this happen and, and, uh, and tell this incredible story. Okay. I, I want to continue that conversation, but we're going to give our uh, listeners a, a little break here and a word from our sponsor. And then we'll be right back with uh, James Hernandez and Brian Lazarte. You're listening to Factual America. Subscribe to our mailing list or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at Alamo Pictures to keep up to date with new releases or upcoming shows. Check out the show notes to learn more about the program, our guests, and the team behind the production. Now back to Factual America. Welcome back to Factual America. I'm here with James Hernandez and Brian Lazarte, directors and executive producers, and many other hats they wore on the series McMillions, uh, HBO, Sky Docs here in the UK. Um, well, Brian, we we're talking to you, uh, I, or whichever one of you wants to answer this, but you, I thought you answered a lot of questions I was going to ask because, uh, you know, this decision of is it a feature? Is it a, you know, is it a series? Um, HBO and um, unrealistic ideas getting in, involved. But how did, when did you really know you had a hit on your hands with this? <laughs> uh, the second that we met Doug Matthews and McDonald's Monopoly Fraud. Those, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I don't know if we ever necessarily thought we have a hit. We just, uh, the the fun thing about doing this together with Brian was that you have basically somebody else that you can bounce things off of. And if we thought it was interesting or funny or cool, like it, it was, uh, that was our barometer, just whatever we personally thought we would want to watch or thought was interesting. That's what we would do. So when we were finished with it, um, watching the episodes, I, we would laugh at things. We would get emotional about things like, okay, well, if we're doing that, then hopefully other people will respond to it. Um, and I guess the only time I ever thought, wow, this actually might be something big was when we premiered at Sundance Film Festival. Uh, we, the, uh, HBO had laid out this marketing campaign and part of it was they created a McMillions bar and they turned an entire bar on Main Street and, and Park City into a McMillions themed bar where people could win prizes and all this stuff. And when we walked into it for the first time, that might've been the time where like, this <laughs> might be bigger than I uh, thought it was going to be. <laughs> My ship has come in. Yeah. <laughs> um, Brian, I mean, how do you, how do you bring a 20 year old scandal to life? I mean, you could, you could do archival, you got B-roll, you get talking heads, but that alone could just be, boring you know i mean how do you how do you bring this to life and make it jump off off the screen oh i mean it, you know that's 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 a, the secret sauce of uh, <laughs> filmmaking no i mean uh we we always knew that you know telling a story historically 
you know, has uh, its pitfalls. And you don't want to, it's very easy to kind of fall into those tropes of it just feeling like uh, a factual recounting of things that happened in the past. And we always wanted this to feel very cinematic and to feel very present, you know, like we're actually living in the middle of what was the, the investigation. And, you know, the, the way that we decided very early on to approach the story was um, structure the series in, in a very particular way where that episode one really, you know, came from the FBI's point of view. And we wanted the audience to really feel like they were an investigator, like they were part of that team and that we're learning things as the FBI agents are actually learning things. And because we found that process very interesting, it's very simple to jump to like, oh, and then this person got arrested and that person got arrested. But when you're in the middle of it and you start with that seed of, you know, uh, if, if you haven't seen it the, in the very first episode, um, Doug Matthews is just talking to his superior agent um, training agent, you know, Rick Dent, who was the senior high level, very experienced, you know, he, he was like the poster child for the FBI. And he just had this one post-it note on his computer that said McDonald's monopoly fraud question mark. And Doug sees this and is like, what is that? <laughs> and, and just starts this conversation of like, well, how long has that been there? Like, were you even going to do anything with it? <laughs> like, has this been, you know, were you even going to follow through with this? And he's like, can I do something with it? And, and little, and it's like, you're on this journey with this one rookie agent. And then, you know, he's like trying to figure out ways to go undercover and he's like pitching ideas and like no one in the office wants to hear it. But then he pitches this idea of like the publisher's clearinghouse style of undercover where, you know, for those who, who don't know in the States, maybe you guys have it there, but like um, Publishers Clearinghouse does this like uh, sweepstakes where they, they go to your house, you know, you, you, it's like a raffle type thing that you submit your, all your information, you give away your life basically uh, to maybe win a million dollars or $10 million for life. And they award the winner live on television or at least they used to do it this way where they show up to your door with a camera and a crew and and balloons and confetti and he pitches this style of undercover operation and they actually get behind this they think that this is really kind of a clever idea and of course he has no experience ever going undercover and he gets this chance to do this and we, you know, we were very fortunate that we actually had the footage of the FBI going undercover. And so we knew that like, okay, we have this great archival. We want to tell the story from the FBI's point of view out of the gate. And we want to feel like we're in it. And so that was, that was our tonal approach. And then as the series progresses, you know, in episode two, we start to learn from the other side, the criminals, you know, the people who were, you know, indicted and part of this. and we love that that as we discovered these characters in the series and, and for ourselves that that there were a lot of layers to them and that some people obviously knew what they were doing but there were some people that were legitimately duped into participating and to claiming prizes um who you know never ever thought that this was a federal crime <laughs> that they were participating in and we wanted to humanize you know each of their experiences in a way that we could identify and so the series evolves um, as we go episode to episode. And hopefully, you know, the audience gets to go on this incredible journey along with the FBI and, and us, you know, similar to like what we learned along the way. And um, yeah, we, obviously the finale is, a, you know, is a nice twist and turn, but we won't spoil that for you or for anyone else. I guess. Exactly. Much appreciated. Um, but uh, James, it, whose idea was it to do use reconstructions? Because I know um, that can be a double-edged sword sometimes and can fall flat, but I think I, the, ep the episodes I've seen, um, I, I think they're brilliant. And, and so how did you come up with ideas for that and how to shoot those? Uh, that was Brian and myself. Um, yeah. There are so many great parts to the story that there, there just wasn't footage of. 
Like, yeah. for example, the the first time that the Jacksonville FBI office tells McDonald's about this whole situation and the pressure cooker that they described on both sides of it, of what it was like to be in that office and revealing something this big. Uh, they're just obviously, (laughs) we're not going to be getting any footage from inside of an FBI office in this very pivotal moment. Uh, But we wanted people to live through it. It didn't, we just want it to be a flippant story that like, oh, okay, we went there, we had them come in. But like, no, you need to understand, you need to feel that, that pressure that they were under. I mean, you have this small office telling one of the biggest companies on the planet, there is something wrong with your most beloved game that makes you the most money. Mm. Um, and so we started really with that. And, and uh, of course, we pitched the show like that. The, the entire vision from the very beginning was having recreations to really uh, let people feel and be in the moment of these, these pivotal uh, stories. And HBO, uh, they usually are not big fans of recreation. Um, mm. But uh, Nancy Abraham and, and Lisa Heller, Lisa, Lisa Heller, they really uh, they normally don't like it, but they were very open to it. And so what we said is like, look, we will cut the entire show together. We will put in, um, we'll put in storyboards to give you an idea of what the recreation will look like at this point. And once we showed them the first episode, they got it. And, um, it was really, it was a good, uh, combination of having their mentality of, of, not totally normally liking it, but it really f- made us focus more on, okay, well, we're going to shoot this in a way that does not distract the viewer from the story that's being told. Uh, th- there are a lot of documentaries, um, and, and it works in some of them, uh, where you can actually see an actor's face, and you can yeah. people are almost like giving a monologue, and we didn't want that. We, we already had great characters telling great stories. We just wanted to hint at, uh, uh, have a visual hint of, what that person was talking about so it can really bring you into the story more and uh so it was a, it was a collaboration of uh, of all of us but um you know it was brian and i definitely had to uh had to sell them on the idea that it could be done tastefully and would just seem cheesy yeah it well it, exactly and i mean just for me personally i think it i mean i really appreciated uh and it, it must be quite a challenge because you've got the subjects, they're all alive, pretty, I guess. Um, and yet you're show, you know, you're having to get actors that are their younger selves. Um, and yet uh, what I also liked about it was, let's face this, this is the 90s and uh, 90s are pretty hot right now. And you, I, you know, I remember putting post-it notes on that monitor that looked like that, you know, with those kind of messages and these sort of things and, and the dress and everything. It was, it's, it's, uh, I think it captures it quite well. Thank you. Yeah, it's, we, we're really big on the idea of, uh, basically, we, in the middle of making a, a documentary series, we made a movie. Uh, we, we shot, we wanted to make sure that the costumes, the makeup, the hair, like everything was very much in the period of time, took you back to that. Uh, it, one of the coolest things was we filmed uh, in an old office and turned it into the FBI office, but it was just wild walking around and seeing big CRT monitors with like T with the back on them and clunky keyboards and big printers and all of that it was definitely a, a time war walking through that set. Yeah. It, it, well, it, it, it took me back to uh, sitting in a cubicle in the nineties in an office uh, I can, for good and for bad. Um, but uh, I mean, what's it for both of you? What's it like being nominated for five Emmys? That, that must be exciting, but it's also in the year of COVID. So it must be very different than your usual uh, ceremony. Yeah. I mean, obviously for, for James and I, this is a, a tremendous accomplishment. I mean, we were, you know, we were not only grateful out of the gate to have the support of HBO to make this, uh, to spend, you know, over a year, you know, and change of our life, you know, pursuing uh, an incredible story that we that we loved and were very passionate about, uh, to get accepted into Sundance and have that, like, at every turn, we were just like, hey, we're happy with what we got at the moment. And this is a tremendous uh, wish list of any filmmaker to be at these, you know, particular junctures in our career. And of course, to be nominated is just uh, is a tremendous honor to have five nominations for our series. Um, 
you know, really, you know, we can't, I don't think, put into words how appreciative we are to, you know, those who have watched it, who's been, who've been fans of the show, who followed our subsequent, our companion podcast, the series, and then to have industry professionals who, you know, we respect and collaborate with as well, um, offer, you know, their support and, and put us to, you know, get us to this point. So, uh, you know, hopefully uh, this, you know, is the beginning of a, a new trend uh, for the next project uh, and projects that we have coming up. Uh, so, uh, I, I, but ultimately, super grateful. I, I do want to talk about projects you have coming up, but before we get there, um, so obviously I have a, I, me, I'm particularly interested in um, this idea that you did a, a, a companion podcast for this series. Um, uh, James, was that, was that your idea? Uh, yeah, totally mine. Nobody else. <laughs> um, actually, that was that was another collaborative thing. I mean, it was it was something that we discussed with uh, with Archie Gibbs from Unrealistic Ideas, and even talking to uh, like HBO because we just there were so many interesting things about this story that hit the cutting room floor, and just we wanted every little story to be in there, but if it's not necessarily relevant to the spine of the story and it could have been 12 episodes, but that might've been milking it a little bit. So we always had this idea and uh, pretty early on, we had talked about doing a podcast, brought it up to HBO. And then coincidentally, um, after we had had some discussions with HBO about it, then the Chernobyl podcast had come out. Mm -hmm. And Brian and I are both huge fans of that show. Yeah. Uh, love, both love Craig Mazin. And, um, and so we're like, look, it works. Like, this is a very interesting thing. It's adding value. It's adding to the overall story. And uh, so then they, they agreed. And uh, we, we went forward and did it. And it was, um, we really had a great time. It's, it's cool because, as you know, um, with, a, with a podcast, you can turn that around pretty fast. Whereas with yeah. a documentary TV series, it took us uh, uh, years to make. So it's nice to be able to create some art uh, in the span of a week. Yeah, I think they're at, you know, the different ends of the spectrum here. Um, but uh, uh, I, I will say you do an excellent job. I've only had a chance to listen to the first one, but uh, uh, who wants to, maybe you can tell us a little bit more about uh, each, because uh, each, each episode of the podcast tracks it it goes within with one of the episodes of the of the of the show doesn't it yeah so each it's it's really truly designed to be a companion to listen to after you've actually watched that episode so if you uh you want that little refresher break in between each episode if you're not binging them back to back now mm -hmm. uh they're great buffers or you can binge the podcast after you watch and binge the series but yeah each episode we have a new guest Usually it's a, well, it's always been a, a subject of our show. Um, and so I, the first episode we had Chris Graham, the second episode was Robin Colombo. Mm. The third episode, Gloria, Gloria Brown. The fourth we had, um, George Chandler, George Chandler. <laughs> Fifth was AJ. Fifth was AJ. That's a good, yeah, they're all great. And then the and last then one was, uh, was Mark Devereaux. Yeah. The wow. federal prosecutor. Okay. Excellent. And, and so, you know, the, uh, one of the things that we were really excited about, not only talking about things that, that we experienced while making it and discoveries that weren't included within the body of the series, but we actually play the audio of deleted scenes that never made the actual series. And that's, you know, some of those are, are really fun and, and great. Uh, and I'm trying to think, like, I think we played, did we play the one with, Doug, there was another under, uh, undercover operation that we didn't feature in the show that that Doug talks about and was absolutely hilarious. And I don't think we did that one. <laughs> didn't include that. It could be a, so. a bonus episode. There we go. Yeah, yeah, there, yeah. Oh, we we actually did do a bonus episode. I forgot. Yeah, we did do a bonus. Oh yeah, we did do an ep a bonus episode. Uh, okay. uh, that was uh, it was more of a uh, it was hosted by Tom Segura. Uh, mm. stand-up comedian and podcaster extraordinaire right um and he basically interviewed us about what it was like to make the entire show oh wow so kind of like this 
except probably much funnier and uh, better, better produced. But uh, no, I think it's a great, I mean, do you think this is something that's going to be pretty standard with series these you know it's it's almost like when cd you know dvds came out and you had all the director's cut or whatever and voiceovers which i guess worked and didn't work in certain ways but uh i mean for listeners i highly recommend it um i found it on youtube uh i gather it's on all the different platforms um the uh the cut scenes i like the uh you find out the uh where the idea for uh shamrock productions came from you um you have all kinds of interesting things. I, I like the, I, you know, asking the subjects how they now think of it now that they've, now that the, everything's in the can and now it's been produced, how they feel like it comes across and things. I think it's a, I think it is a great companion piece um, and much, uh, much pithier and well put together than this podcast at uh, only uh, th- 30 minutes or so. So uh, something we're going to aim for in the future. Um, but uh you mentioned it just before I segued, or not segued, but we went down that uh, tangent a bit. But uh, what is next for you two? If I've read through Hollywood media and stuff, there's supposedly uh, other things in the work. So maybe you can uh, give our listeners a little uh, taste of what's what's to come. Um, well, there's... What can uh, you say? Yeah, what we can say is that we are, we're, we're working on, uh, on a new series and... Um, just it's, through our company. Uh, yeah. it's it's through our company fun meter which yeah. uh you know it's fun meter is is named after <laughs> doug matthew's favorite saying that he liked to tag the fun meter so we figured you know our first project together it's a nice little callback and it also uh shows the viewpoint that we have on things you know we uh usually and this was part of the hard selling point for hbo was when we we're like okay we're going to do a true crime documentary series and it's going to be funny uh, and they just couldn't wrap their heads around that fully yeah. because normally true crime docs are about someone being wrongfully accused and jailed for 20 years or a mass yeah. murder or something eerie and weird. Um, and like, it's, it's not going to be like that. Uh, so we have that general uh, viewpoint on, on projects, but we are uh, working on a new, uh, on a new series that uh, is in a lot of ways more quirky and, and, uh, weirder and interesting uh and has a, a larger swing of comedic to uh tragic tone than mm. than we did with mcmillions uh can't say exactly what it is yet but it's going to be very exciting okay well I, we definitely look forward to it i mean the uh i think the tagline on fun meter site says stranger than fiction scripted and non-scripted content i mean what is uh what's drawn you to to this idea of uh sort of this it's more than a, a niche, but uh, this idea of, I mean, because I personally f- think that truth is often more stranger than fiction, as we all know, but what's drawn you in this direction? Well, I mean, I, I think that, you know, our taste mm. for humorous, like finding humor in the most obscure places and dark comedies are, you know, still at the root of, you know, some of our favorite movies and TV shows. So we just, you know, we, we love docs and documentaries. We, we don't see it too often in this genre. And, you know, there's some great docs that are, are very tragic or some great docs that are needle pushing an issue and mm. really important to get out there. Um, and true crime is, is fascinating. You know, it's definitely like it's been you know, having its heyday now for, for a, a, a good long while. Yeah. Uh, and just people are, are invested in these, like in the details of, of how people pull off, you know, these intricate crimes. But the, the fun factor or this, you know, the quirky factor, um, I think it appeals to us on, on a lot of levels. Uh, we love comedy and, you know, why, why not explore this space and, and discover, you know, tones in, in the documentary genre that, you know, haven't really been explored in, in, in full. I mean, not to say that people haven't done it before, but um, it's certainly something that attracts us. And, you know, the, I can't think of anything else, James, that, you know, right. Well, I mean, it, the thing that we like is that um, would, 
like McMillions, for example, it could be done in a way where you're making fun of the people in it. Um, but we never wanted to do that. We want mm-hmm. funny characters to, uh, to be funny, but life can in an instant be funny and then tragic uh, in the next moment. And so we were really drawn to stories like that, that have a certain weird quirkiness to them with interesting characters, but uh, also have a very serious undertone to them. Like there are morals to the story of McMillions, just like any other of the mm. stories that, that Brian and I are diving into. It's uh, it's not all fluff. There are actual very real things within it, but you can also laugh within that seriousness. Okay. And I think, I mean, and, and James, as, as you're sort of alluding to, is, is this a tough sell? I mean, when you're going around, I mean, you've, as you said, you're fortunate to have had, uh, uh, HBO and uh, Mark Wahlberg's company, you know, support you and all this, but pitching these, uh, these types of stories, is this a, is that a, is that a tough one when you go into that, that boardroom and uh, try to, to pitch that story? Well, it was uh, until McMillions came out. Yeah. <laughs> that, yeah. that's a, that's quite a, a, a helpful calling card of saying um, this story it has these aspects to it, um, but take a take a look at McMillions. You understand the type of tone, and it's going to have something within that ballpark. So that mm-hmm. that has actually been helpful. And and Brian and myself, we are very uh, uh, we don't like to leave anything to chance. Uh, so when we're pitching something, we're coming with a very uh, a pretty detailed thought out. Uh, written breakdown of the entire show and then we're also having a a visual sizzle reel or something that really shows how interesting the story can be and the kind of tone that we're going for it's hard to believe but uh, we're actually coming to the end of our time uh together so um it's it's been a whirlwind tour of of mcmillions and uh fun meter and the things that you're uh you're doing i hope it's been a whirlwind tour for you uh but uh the um I mean, coming, you kind of already alluded to it in going back to McMillions. Um, so both of you, what are the lessons if you've drawn, not so much, I mean, what is, you know, what are the lessons you've drawn from doing this as, as filmmakers and what do, what do you hope the series uh, legacy will be? You know, I think that a good story is a good story. And, you know, if you actually invest the time and the effort to, really find out how far and how deep a story goes. Like we, I mean, McMillions, you know, as even though it's six hours, like we, you know, we didn't talk to every single person who was indicted. You know, there's, there's so many other veins, you know, Mm -hmm. to this um, that, you know, we could have kept going down and going down and going down. And, you know, the, I I mean, I, I think that, you know, we, you always learn on every single project. Like there's not, you know, and you take that knowledge to the next, to the next, to the next, and, and you just keep building from it. I, I mean, for, I think there's so many things like not only in terms of my collaboration with James and how we work together, um, how we, you know, started and built our, you know, our company, um, the things that we want to work on in the future, but, you know, just, you know, we, we, we I think we really appreciated the tone of McMillions and as James was saying earlier, like that we never, we like things to be funny, but never to make fun of anyone. And it's very easy, you know, to do that if you've got some wacky, kooky character to just like, you know, exploit that aspect of their personality. And so, you know, there there is a, a certain angle in which we want to approach, you know, quirky characters. Um, but, you know, I, I think at, at the root of this, um, you know, the legacy for McMillions is just, you know, it's hopefully it's a well-told story. It's, it illustrates our, you know, cinematic approach, our ability to look at things, you know, almost like a, a scripted series would be approach or a scripted movie, but, you know, has the heart of, of the documentary and is, you know, revealing and it's information in a way that is compelling and, and, and makes you laugh and makes you cry and makes you think about it after the fact. Like if you, if you can, if you can achieve all of those things in a project, um, you know, I, I feel like you can, you succeed in this, in this medium and, and hopefully we can continue to do that in future projects. And James, yeah. did you want to add anything to that? 
Yeah, the, the, the biggest lesson to me out of all of this was um, to not play it safe. And mm. everything from how I first dove into the story all the way to uh, um, us having the most recreations and something HBO's ever done uh, to doing the, uh, a large, uh, well, now there's a, a much larger series with The Vow, but we were the largest series that they had done. And, and just in a lot of aspects of, um, there are ways where we could have played it safe, but we really fought for what we believed in and how, how this should be. And, and ultimately, um, you know, even if it wasn't exactly what we had originally planned, uh, we did push things a little bit further than they normally would have. And, and, um, and it, and it worked. Um, and then, you know, the other side of that is like, I'm just very appreciative, very appreciative to Brian for the partnership and to Mark Wahlberg and, and Stephen Levinson and Archie Gibbs and Lisa and Nancy and everybody at HBO, the, the amount that they put behind it. Um, you know, it's just the, the legacy of this entire thing is that we, we talked about this a lot throughout it. And this was a big selling point or not even a selling point, but this is when we had talked about like the serious undertones of the show is, you know, this is a big lesson. And sometimes good people just make bad decisions. Like mm-hmm. most of the people involved in this that are, that became federal criminals, they weren't career criminals. They weren't you know, these, these like yeah. criminal masterminds or anything like that. They were just regular people who, you know, sometimes things are too good to be true. And if you're down on your luck, you're willing to turn a blind eye to that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was a big lesson that we wanted to show is that life isn't necessarily just you know, one way or the other, there's a, there's a large gray area where you can live. And, and then sometimes you know, it can lead to uh, a documentary being made about your life. Uh, hopefully that doesn't happen to all of us, but it doesn't mean that you're a bad person. I think that's a, I think that's an excellent point. And uh, I just want to thank you for making this. Uh, if anyone had been at home when I was watching these episodes, they would have wondered why I was laughing my head off at times. And uh why I had a smile on my face. Um, and so I'm looking forward to binge watching the last couple of episodes that I hadn't gotten around to yet. So thank, thanks again. Uh, and I think we all look forward to, uh, to your next project. If it's anything like this one, uh, I know it will be another hit. Um, and just to remind, so thank you, basically. Uh, thank you, James Hernandez and Brian Lazarte, the directors and exec producers extraordinaire of mcmillions you can still stream it on hbo and sky docs here in the uk i highly recommend it and just to say a a big shout out to uh this is distorted studios here in leeds england and to uh, a big thanks to our listeners uh you're the reason we do this and please remember to like us and share us with your friends and family wherever you happen to listen or watch podcasts This is Factual America, signing off. You've been listening to Factual America. This podcast is produced by Alamo Pictures, specializing in documentaries, television, and shorts about the USA for international audiences. Head on down to the show notes for more information about today's episode, our guests, and the team behind the podcast. Subscribe to our mailing list or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Alamo Pictures. Be the first to hear about new productions, festivals showing our films, and to connect with our team. Our homepage is alamopictures.co.uk.